Hey, USA Volleyball fans, this is Clarence Hughes, co-host of the USA Volleyball Show. Here's an excerpt from John Spira's NTDP Academy course. Hi, my name is John Spira. I'm head coach for the U.S. men's national team. We're doing a course today on observations that we've made in the national team gym about collegiate players that arrive and make a transition to the professional game. What are some of the things that you can learn from our experiences that can help you prepare for that now? We don't have a pro league here in the United States, so you have to leave to go overseas, whether it's Asia, Europe, South America. Athletes typically leave sometime in August to September on average, and they leave and they're alone. They go overseas in a totally new culture, totally new environment, totally new coaching uh, experience. We've already talked about the training room and the strength conditioning. All those things are vastly different, vastly different cultures. How do you handle that? That's really a challenge for some athletes. So I think the first thing we encourage our athletes to do is embrace the experience and the opportunity to do something that's truly unique and special. If you want to hear more about our observations on how to best prepare yourself for a professional volleyball career, subscribe to the NTDP Academy at usavolleyball.org. Welcome to episode 29 of the USA Volleyball Show. You already know with your official podcast of USA Volleyball. My name is Clarence Hughes. we got Stephen Munson in the building and a lot of great information to talk about, just like the Women's National Team Open Program Recap. Stephen, what do you mm-hmm. think? What, what, what did you think about that? I mean, I've I said it before, I think when we had Karch on uh, earlier this year that it's one of my favorite events. Uh, huge bummer that we didn't have it last year uh, due to COVID. Um, but just such such an awesome event. The energy in the gym is electric. Some of the best collegiate volleyball players in the country all gathered in one place. And the volleyball is incredible. And just like Karch said in that episode, Volleypalooza is uh, what he called it. And that's what it is. You got to keep your head on a swivel walking through the gym because balls are flying everywhere. But it's it's just incredible, incredible to um, to see that. And this year. We had Jordan Thompson in the building, uh, which was really cool. Celebrity sighting uh, fresh off the Olympic gold medal uh, in Tokyo. And she got to talk to some of the athletes, uh, do some Q&As. And she was just at that event, that tryout Mm -hmm. uh, at the open program um, not that long ago. And so we talked to her a little bit. She talked about how it was just cool to be back on the other side and all those memories and of that experience just kind of flooded back to her. So uh, really cool to see her there and yeah, just an awesome, awesome event. What did you think of it? That was your first time there. I thought it was amazing. I was like a fingernail away from getting just demolished in the head by volleyball um, <laughs> coming, coming in pretty hot too, but it barely missed me. But on top of that, it was just amazing just to see all the talent come out of every single wave group and and pool was just flat out amazing and what they were doing and how they were working with each other and just the effort that we saw overall. 
just like you mentioned, or Karch mentioned, actually, it was literally Volley Palooza. Uh, Jordan Thompson was just amazing. You see, she was loving every second of it as well. And, you know, on top of it, Karch, you know, walked up to me and, uh, you know, mentioned me by first name and said, hey. you know, we're doing good things with the podcast. There we go. Jerry she remembered. She remembered. So, <laughs> that was a good thing to hear. And then you kind of just noticed too. But overall, just amazing. Like I, it's it's hard to put into words what that was. And I'm really glad I got a chance to be part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking and, of amazing volleyball. Oh, go ahead. Yes. Promo video too. Don't forget about oh, yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, a podcast <laughs> promo from the event coming soon, as well as an, a, a, an exclusive interview with Jordan Thompson as well. That will come, uh, come soon here as well. Uh, Speaking of amazing volleyball, you're at an event, uh, first time event for USA Volleyball, a qualifier, the Salt Lake City Showdown Qualifier. How's that event been going? That is correct. And it's been a uh, it's been a full circle of organized madness and a lot of good feedback from what we've been able to put together, all the teams that have been able to come through and compete. I think we were at close to or just over 550 teams uh, for weekend one of the Salt Lake City showdown. Um, <clears throat> it's been just flat out amazing. Uh, high level competition across all 76 courts that we have and uh, just really glad we're able to put on a successful first qualifier of the season. You know, got a little bit of a break in between weekends here, but we're going right back at it uh, going into next weekend and weekend two with the older age group. So it's just been really good. Um, shout out to Jade Rakes on uh, the creative team been covering social media and video. She's been doing an amazing job and, you know, can't wait to see uh, what, you know, recap footage is and, and in, in videos put together for that. But yeah, just amazing event all around and just really happy we're able to make it happen this year yeah speaking of shout outs that logo is incredible too i you posted a video of the medals they looked nice they looked clean amazing uh, we got they so, so cool comments and feedback oh my god this logo is good the medals are yeah. super super cool and you know the trophies that <clears throat> all the qualifying teams got to it was really it was really cool we got a lot of good feedback on that logo so you know round yeah. of applause there Shout out to our graphic design team, Barbara and Jade on that one. Uh, awesome. Awesome job. Mm -hmm. uh, let's uh, let's move on to a couple of news items before we get into today's guest, today's episode. Uh, congratulations to Marv Dunphy, who will become the 52nd Harold T. Friar Mood Friar Award winner as recognition for his longtime significant contributions to volleyball. He will be presented the award at the USA Volleyball Hall of Fame ceremony on May 25th in Orlando, Florida. If you'd like to attend the Hall of Fame banquet, you can purchase tickets now at usavolleyball.org. Uh, next up, we have Matt Furbringer, who will be returning to the USA Vol to USA Volleyball to serve as a full-time assistant coach for the U.S. men's national team. Ferbs previously served as a U.S. men's assistant coach from 2013 to 2016, helping the team to a bronze medal at the 2016 Olympic Games, as well as gold medals at the 2014 FIVB World League and the 2015 FIVB World Cup. So really excited to see Ferbs back on the bench, back on the back on the bench with USA Volleyball. 
Mm-hmm. And today we also have a very exciting episode because we are talking professional volleyball right here in the United States of America. This month when Athletes Unlimited is kicking off their second season and to celebrate that we are celebrating and welcoming Cassidy Lichtman, former U.S. Women's National Team member <clears throat> and current member of the USA Volleyball Board of Directors and, of course, playing in her second season at Athletes Unlimited. Um, You'll notice that we talked to Cassidy about her experience with the U.S. Women's National Team and playing professional club internationally and her excitement for Athletes Unlimited season number two and also her nonprofit Path Sports and much more. A really great interview and really, 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 really just great time of month to really just bring up a successful woman in the month of March right now. But without further ado, let's get right into today's guest, Cassie Lickman. All right. So I guess we'll just jump right into uh, the interview. I believe we're already recording and everything. So, uh, yeah, let's start with question number one. Uh, Can you just talk about when and how you got introduced to the game of volleyball? Yeah, I well, I can. and I can't. I probably don't remember it, actually. Um, My mom is a volleyball coach. And so I got brought into the gym probably before I can remember. Um, so that was my, really my first experience going to her practices, uh, when, you know, when nobody, nobody was there at home to watch us. And so she'd bring my brother and me to the gym and be like, here's dinner and here's a ball, go entertain yourself. (laughs) Um, and I loved it. I loved going to practice. Um, I loved just kind of like sitting in a corner with my, by myself with a ball, you know, trying to pass it over and over and over again, trying to get out on the court with her teams when I got a little bit older. Um, which I was not allowed, but, um, yeah, so that was really my, my first experience was watching her coach and playing around with my brother. And then as I got a little bit older playing with, um, my parents and then my older brother started playing when he was 10 or 11. And then I got my first team when I was 10 years old. What hooked you, uh, and made you really want to just elevate your game and continue to play on at the next level, uh, throughout your journey to volleyball? I just really genuinely loved the game. I loved getting better, trying to push myself to, you know, see what I could do and, um, and to really kind of play volleyball at the highest level I could to be able to experience it at the highest level I could. And so I didn't know what that was going to look like. Um, I think, you know, I've ended up making it a long way in the sport, but when I was younger, I was, I was, you know, not, huge. Like it wasn't super dynamic. I wasn't one of those players who they were like, Oh, like she's going all the way no matter, you know? Um, but I just really loved it. And so I was always in the gym, always, you know, trying to by myself with a coach, with my team, whatever, trying to figure out new ways to to do things and new ways to score and how to hit the ball. And, um, so I was just kind of a total gym rat and I really loved trying to find new ways to get better at the game. I think that kind of fueled me to the next level. And then after, you know, getting to college, I was like, well, there's a level after this. Could I potentially make it, you know, further to professional to the national team? And, um, but it was really just kind of striving to see like, how good can I be at this thing that I really love to do? That's really cool to hear. Um, we always talk about everyone's journey and, you know, how they came to the game of volleyball and, you know, your, your path definitely took you to the highest level at the national team. And can you just talk about your experience there and, you know, just what that was like and if you played for any age group national teams or just anything you want to highlight on that path in general? Yeah. You know, I, I went to a bunch of the USA tryouts when I was younger, made 
you know, made different camps, made the A2 team. I didn't make a national team until my very last year in junior. I made the junior national team as libero, which is funny because it's not my position. Um, and, and that was again, because I was kind of like that mi- middle of the road player where I was like, I was, I was good, but I wasn't the top recruit in my class and I wasn't the biggest hitter. And I wasn't, I was a little bit ambiguous position wise. And so I think there were a lot of people who were like, yeah, like good, but are you really good enough to be great at the next level? Um, there was always kind of a question. And so that last year I kind of finally made it. Then went on to Stanford and then coming out of college was like, I just, I got to see if I can do this. Um, and it was the same thing coming out of college, like a little bit ambiguous position wise, not the biggest hitter. Like we'll see what happens at the next level. And, you know, I ended up kind of making it into the national team gym and staying for five years. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the most incredible experience. Um, I mean, a lot of it, when I think back on it, the feeling of being on the national team is just the, the day-to-day grind of being in that gym, you know, with those women. And there's just something, you know, it's, it's not easy. You're kind of constantly competing against the whole world and your own teammates for roster spots. And it's, you know, one of the most competitive environments in the world, but there's something really um, special about trying to do something extraordinary and trying to be the best in the world at something, which we were for, you know, we were number one in the world for a lot of my time there. And, um, just to, just to know that that's what you're trying to do every day when you go into the gym, I think is, is a really incredible thing. Um, and when everybody's kind of bought into that culture and that commitment, it's just a special thing to be a part of. You mentioned you were kind of that middle of the road player, you know, the attacker in the defensive position as well. And we've seen that kind of recently too with Kelsey Robinson at the, on the national team level. And then, you know, at the collegiate level, is it, is that, is that something that's you think is becoming more common or something that a lot of the young players should maybe focus on, you know, uh, having those tools, all that, that full skill set of tools in volleyball uh, to be able to play multiple positions. Yeah. I mean, I wish that they would focus on it. Uh, you know, I think even, even when I was growing up, it was, it was getting more rare, um, because of the substitution rules, because there's so much specialization and this is across, you know, all sports. Um, but you know, it, it ends up being, okay, the biggest kids go and hit and the little ones go and pass and play defense. And I was just, you know, very odd because I was setting and hitting and passing and, um, but it afforded me opportunities, you know, like when I got to Stanford, I was a defensive specialist my first year. And then my second year I was a setter. And then my third year I was an outside hitter and a setter. And <laughs> like we were making up our own rotations just to figure out how I could add the most value on the court. And so that's really how I got to the national team too. Like when I, my first, I always tell people I kind of snuck out of the national team because my first summer was 2012, which was an Olympic year. And nobody really knew comes into the gym in an Olympic year, but Hugh McCutcheon was the coach at the time. And I had played in, 2011 Pan American games, um, out of position. I was playing, I was a passing opposite, uh, which I hadn't done either of those things in a while. I was setting in Poland and I asked Hugh if I could come into the gym at all. And everybody gets back from their pro seasons at, at different times in the national team season. So they didn't have their setters back at the beginning. He said, yeah, you know, come on in and then you'll, you'll probably leave when everyone else returns. And so I went and I sat for a week or so setters came back and he's like, well, we don't have any, our opposites back yet. Well, can you play opposite? And I said, yeah. And so I played opposite for a week or so. And he said, okay, well, our opposites are back, but we lost an outside. Can you play outside? And I said, yeah. And they sent the team away for a tournament and they were like, well, we only have one libero left at home. Can you play libero for a week or so? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the year, um, 
they sent half of the team to the Olympics and the other half went to the Pan American Cup. And all of a sudden I was starting on the outside in the Pan Am Cup for the U.S. We won a gold medal. And the next year I come back in 2013 and there's all kinds of new people in the gym and start a new quad. And all of a sudden I'm a veteran (laughs) and then I, you know, stay for that whole quad. And so it was really, you know, for me, it was like, they just needed somebody who could do whatever needed to be done. Um, And so, yeah, I, I, I think in some ways it's rare these days for people to be able to, to practice all those different things. But particularly if you want to play internationally, because the sub rules are so different, you have to be able to play more than one part of the game. And so I think it'd be super valuable for anybody who wants to play at the highest level to make sure that they're training that from a younger age. Wow. That was awesome. Yeah. I think like you said, just gives you more opportunities to get on beyond the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're more versatile, uh, with your skill set. Um, yeah, that was really cool. Really cool to hear you talk about that. That's awesome. Uh, you mentioned your, the international game and how that's, you know, a big advantage once you move over international. Can you talk about your experience and you played for multiple, uh, in multiple different countries, including Poland, Switzerland, Azerbaijan, France, China, even, can you talk about all those different experiences and your biggest takeaways from that? Yeah, I mean, playing overseas is a trip, honestly. I think people think about it like they think about their European vacation and you're like, that's not, <laughs> that's not what it is. That's not it. <laughs> um, it's, I always tell people, it's like, you know, when you go on a vacation for a couple of weeks and it's your last day and you're like, okay, this was fantastic, but like, I'm ready to go home now. It's like that, but in six more months <laughs> and oh my you're gosh. over in another country. And, um, and it's just kind of, it's, it's difficult. It's isolating and you can't, you know, always speak to everybody else, including your own teammates and coaches. Um, but that being said, I mean, getting paid to play volleyball is an incredible privilege and it's, um, a great way to go out and see the world. And so I think, you know, my biggest takeaway, one of the things just from a volleyball perspective, I love is just getting to play internationally and seeing all the different styles, um, and kind of how their experiences in their country have shaped them growing up and even their system of play. Like, I think it's so cool. Even when you watch, you know, the Olympics in any sport to see how those different styles come about and how, you know, a country like Japan, for example, like they're never going to be the biggest and the strongest. They're not going to overpower you, but they're going to be so disciplined and so scrappy and they're going to keep coming at you every time. Um, and that's just, you know, built in kind of who they are as people, including, and, you know, reverberates into their volleyball system. Um, the problem, the biggest takeaway is just like as a person from playing overseas is just getting to know all of these different types of people, you know, have come from all of these different places and learning how to just kind of reserve judgment. And, um, there are so many different ways to, to do things in the world, different ways to see the world. And so, I feel like it really helped me learn how to see something and go, okay, like that's different from what I would say or what I would do. Um, and it's not necessarily wrong or right or worse or better. It's just different because they're seeing the world through a different lens than I am. Um, and maybe sometimes I think that we do things better and maybe sometimes I think that they do things better. Um, but a lot of the times it can just be different. We can just leave it at that and, and kind of respect you know, each other's experiences. Um, so I thought it was just really kind of a helpful way to like become a better kind of citizen of, of the world. I love when uh, our guests talk about the different styles of play uh, across countries, across different clubs. Uh, we just had TJ DeFalco on recently and he talked about playing 
in club in Italy and then just the complete shift in style when you moved to Poland. Yeah. Uh, it's super cool to hear about. I don't think that's something that the average fan here in the, in the U S knows about. Mm-hmm. Um, so really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, what, what advice would you have? And you already talked about, you know, having that versatile skill set. but what advice would you have for someone who is, striving to play professionally overseas or a recent college graduate who's looking at playing overseas? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is find somebody who's done it and try to talk to them. Um, you know, whether that's through your, through your coach, if they know anybody like DM someone on Instagram, whatever, just getting, getting kind of firsthand knowledge and experience on how does this work? How do I find an agent? Which agents do I work with? Like what countries should I go to? What clubs should I not go to? Um, what should I be thinking about as I sign my contract? There's so much that we're just not educated on um, coming up through through kind of youth and college volleyball because there just are very few people in the U.S. who really understand the international pro system. So I think that's that's the biggest thing I would say is just try to talk to somebody who's been there and done it um, and has some experience so that you can at least understand like what questions should I be asking throughout this process. Speaking of uh, pro systems and, you know, these new leagues, um, you just uh, finished up your first season with Athletes Limited and, you know, getting ready to start the second one, I believe, on March 16th of this year uh, with Athletes Limited. What are you looking forward to most uh, going into year number two? Year number two. I'm super excited about it. Um, I mean, one thing is just we have we have a lot of players returning that I'm, I'm just excited to go see my, you know, my teammates and teammates slash opponents at the same time um, <laughs> I played with last year who are coming back and some, some new players who I've played with before who are joining the league now. Another thing I'm excited about is that we get fans this year. And so we didn't, yes, have, you do. we didn't have anybody in the stands last year and it was still fantastic, but I just think it's a whole different energy when there are people in the building. Um, and, you know, I mean, I haven't played in front of fans for a minute and you know, apart from the national team matches, nobody has watched professional volleyball in the U.S. for a very long time. So I think that's going to be incredible. And so just that interaction, getting signed autographs, getting to talk to people, I think that's going to be really cool. What inspired your, you or what made you want to come back uh, and play uh, volleyball again at that level during that inaugural season? You know, I I had no plans of coming out of retirement. Um, I was I was good, but I think there's there's been kind of rumors or you know this pro league or that pro league is going to start every couple of years forever, and it's just never really coming to fruition. And after talking to John Patrickoff and Jonathan Soros, the founders of Athletes Unlimited, it really felt like okay, this is something different. And I think that there's a business model behind it that I can understand and it feels like it's going to be real. And if it's going to be something real that we're building that is going to, you know, impact the future of volleyball in the U S then I really want to be a part of that. And so it's, it's no longer really kind of my, my ego in the game. It's not really like, can I be the best volleyball player I can be anymore? It's really like, how are we building this thing to make it sustainable so that, you know, pro volleyball exists here and and for the next generation. Mm-hmm. And through that process, what's been, I guess, what's been your favorite part of that experience overall so far? I think, I think two things. I mean, it's such a unique 
environment, not only that it's in the U.S., but just in, in how it's run. Like it's, we say it's an athlete-led organization, and it, and it genuinely is. Like I sit on the player executive committee, and so there are five of us uh, who work, you know, really closely with athletes and limited staff on pretty much all decisions that are made regarding the league. And so to have that kind of power coming from this environment, you know, overseas where it's it's essentially the opposite. Like you're kind of a, a tool on the machine, and um, you know you're doing a job. This is such a different kind of empowering space to be, you know, really given the the power to make decisions and and have opinions. Um, so I think just working with the organization is is amazing, and then it also just puts us in a place as athletes where we have the opportunity to kind of talk to each other as human beings, like we're treated as human beings. And so we are, we're able to like talk to each other and we have the space to not just be volleyball players. Um, and so, you know, I think it was really cool last year to, to just get to know the women I was playing with and, you know, even the players from overseas, you know, Shayla Castro and Thania de la Cruz and, um, and Aurie Cruz and people who I'd played against on the national team for years. And you never really get to know them. Like, honestly, they look, they just look kind of mean across the net. <laughs> You're like, I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't like this person and you find out they're actually fantastic. And so, you know, going back this season, I'm so excited to see them again. And um, so I think that that's a big part of it too. Just, just being able to you know, be around incredible women like this um, and then being given just like the gift mm -hmm. of this great environment that we get to play in. Mm -hmm. I think being in the shield definitely also helped that of just yeah, just creating different experiences and ways you can bond with all these players and get to know them, uh, which actually probably, you know, played a big factor in the, the draft system of of AU, which is super unique. And I remember we first heard about it and we saw the first one. We were like, how is this going to go? Like, you know, like what what kind of draft are we talking? Are we talking, you know, WNBA style, NBA style, NFL style draft. But it's really exciting to just sit there and just kind of watch you like, oh, who's going to pick who next? <laughs> You know, just trying to think ahead of the strategy in that, too. But can you just like just sort of talk about uh, what it's like, what it's like being in that, you know, position of I wouldn't necessarily say power or just decision making? Like what 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 goes through your mind when, you know, you're just constructing and orchestrating that team to compete that week? Yeah, it's it's such an interesting process. Um, and I knew it would be going in, but there's so much that you just figure out along the way. And so you just you, it. It's really telling, I think, for pe people who are fans of volleyball, just say, okay, what do, what do we value the most? And it, and as it and as it evolves over the weeks, you start to figure out what's most important. Like, yeah, you need the biggest hitter, but then there are people who are like, oh wait, we really like really need passing. Like, that's important. And so as kind of the draft order um, shapes up, you figure out kind of what's what's being valued and. Um, also, at least once or twice in every draft, there's some decision that all of us are like, what? <laughs> um, so that's always kind of funny to watch for. Um, and then you also just kind of on a, on a personal level, figure out like, who do you like playing next to? Who kind of helps you as a teammate? Um, what's What style do you want? Like, I think at one point, you know, Jordan Larson was picking and she just picked a team that was just veterans. And so like, I get it. <laughs> like, just people who kind of like, you know what you're going to get from them. And um so, yeah, it was a really fascinating process um, being inside of it and just kind of watching it and being like, how do people make these decisions? Um, and then seeing what worked and what didn't as like there's teams you're like, oh, they're going to, you know, run through everyone this weekend. And maybe they didn't quite or this team's going to be terrible. And then they actually ended up being good. And um, so I think just from a volleyball perspective, even it's uh, 
it's interesting to see kind of what works and what doesn't and and knowing like every week is going to be different so there's never going to be like you're never going to see any team again so this is like your one opportunity to see them play together you mentioned you know each team is different every week or could be different every week uh and you mentioned the draft uh certainly those aspects of au is very exciting for the fan to watch, but why, if a fan hasn't, who's listening, if a fan who's listening, hasn't watched AU, didn't watch the inaugural season, why should they tune in this year? I mean, it's just high level volleyball. If you're a fan of volleyball, you should be watching. Um, we have, you know, Olympians from multiple countries. We have incredible players who you've, you know, probably seen in college or you should have. Um, so, you know, I think in the U.S., a lot of the feeling sometimes is like college volleyball is the highest level. And you're like, actually, <laughs> it's not. There's <laughs> even higher. And so I think you just be impressed by the things that these women can do. Uh, and then on top of that, it's really exciting because of all of these other aspects. And I think some people get caught up in like, well, I don't know what I don't have a team to root for because there's not set teams. And is it an individual thing and all that? And they're like, no, no, no. Like first, the team is still the most important thing. You get the most points for winning as a team. And I think it's really cool to see each week, like how teams come together and shape up and become, you know, really genuinely good teams and gel together when only given a couple of days to do it. Um, so I, I think it's a really cool aspect. And then you get to see who's really adding value and where they're adding value. Um, and it's and that it's not just, you know, the big hitter. It's the setter who can also play defense. Like we were talking about earlier, yeah. do multiple things who are, who are start to kind of rack up points. That's so cool. It's like, uh, when you look at WNBA and BA NFL, like those trade deadlines are like some of the most exciting times yeah. of the season <laughs> where you have a trade deadline every week. <laughs> yeah. And athletes unlimited. That's so cool. Yeah. And there's, and there's never anything set. Like, I mean, you go play in an overseas league. If you're the, bottom team in the league you're the bottom team for six months yeah. <laughs> a lot of matches you're the bottom team one weekend you might be the top team the next weekend exactly so yeah. going into any given game like you have no idea what's going to happen and that chemistry factor too that you mentioned just with different athletes on your team every week and having to turn around in just a few days and play at a high level i think that's yeah like you said a very interesting aspect of the game mm -hmm. What um what is what do you think Athletes Unlimited is doing for the growth of girls and women's volleyball in the U.S.? Um, how important do you think uh, this league is? I think it's I think it's huge. Um, you know, there's there has not been professional volleyball in the U.S. in my lifetime before this, mm -hmm. which is insane. And I think that. Um, you know, there's always people who are like, okay, but I want, I want more. I want the six month league. I want all of this. And I'm like, cool. Me too. I want all of the volleyball <laughs> to exist. But in March, like there are people who are going to watch professional volleyball on us soil and it's going to be broadcast on national television. And you have to recognize how big a deal that is. Like I said, like people don't have any consciousness of professional volleyball in this country. And just the fact that we're creating that is a huge step just within the past few years even like i've been told that this is something that we couldn't have that this couldn't happen and so anything that pushes us forward on that front i think is i think is huge and then having it done in you know a way that it looks really good and it's like high quality production and all of that um i think all of that is big for our sport and so i feel like if you 
if you want professional volleyball to exist, if you want that girl who's playing right now in, in our clubs and our high schools to be able to look up and see a path in the future beyond college, then we have to support these, these initiatives and these opportunities that are being created because the only way to get more opportunities is to support the ones that we have right now. I yeah, I think that's important. Uh, like you mentioned, those young girls who are watching now and you mentioned a little earlier, too, is a lot of the, you know, the average U.S. fan of volleyball doesn't know that there's something past college. Mm -hmm. There's opportunities to play past college. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, I'm already planning to tell all the club girls that I coach like March 16th and on you are watching yeah. <laughs> Athens Limited. And if you do not, you're running. I'm just kidding. You're probably need not to, run, need to host some watch parties. That's what you I've heard from coaches who, you know, their teams watched last season and they're like, they got into it. They're they're doing their own like mock drafts and oh, that's cool. people are using the scoring <laughs> systems in their practices. And um, there's one group actually who, you know, we have, we have a whole different kind of initiative where we each pick a cause to play for, for the season. And there was a team that they picked their own causes that they were going to play for, for the season. And so it's just, I think again, like just having that kind of representation, having women that all these kids can look up to and be like, okay, I can, I can be that later on in my life. I think is huge. That's amazing. I can't wait for March 16th to come. I can't, it can't, it can't come any quicker. But <laughs> come to Dallas. Everybody come to Dallas. <laughs> oh, Steven would love that. Being from from, I'm from Dallas. So <laughs> there you go. I can't tell Steven. He's going to be gone tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Looking up flights right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I think as much as we just would love to continue to talk about uh, Athletes Unlimited, we do want to switch gears a little bit. Um, just to talk about uh, your nonprofit, uh, Passports. Do you sort of want to give it uh, an introduction to that and, you know, what that about, what, what that about, what's that about? And, you know, just kind of talk us through uh, that mission and the goal of, of your, of your foundation. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, I think in the past few years or, or many years, it's, kind of, it's become increasingly clear that we just, we have a problem in, in this country with kind of a lack of empathy and ability to interact with people, particularly people who are different than us and entire groups of people who don't feel empowered in all spaces. And so, I really felt like if we're going to address that and have that culture shift in the long term, we have to change how we're teaching those skills to the next generation. And sports to me felt like such an incredible opportunity within youth sports in particular to to be really lead on that. Um, and the issue is, I think we, we would all agree that sports teach life skills and teach some of these things, but there's very rarely any kind of intention put around that. Like, it's not that often the coaches are talking about and actually training, how do I practice you know, being a decent human being, um, or even being a great teammate or, or the other skills that are going to lead to success on the court. And so what we do is create kind of short form, like two to four minute videos featuring elite athletes and coaches from across sports, you know, Olympics, uh, Paralympics, NBA, WNBA, NFL, whatever, breaking down those kind of big concepts, um, into more tangible kind of engaging pieces that help kids draw the line to their own day-to-day -day lives. And then, we try to package it super easily so that, you know, a coach or a parent or a kid themselves can go, okay, here, here are a couple things to like reflect on after I've watched this. And here, most importantly, are a couple actionable ways that I can practice this skill in the same way I practice hitting a ball. Um, because we know in sports, like that's how we get better. We break things down into the fundamentals and we practice them by doing them. And so we're really trying to use kind of a, that influence of the people who have had great success, um, at the highest levels of sport and also happen to be great human beings um, 
but then to, to help kids understand, like, how am I getting better at this thing that A, is going to make you a better athlete and a better teammate, and then B, is going to help you become a, you know, better, happier, more successful, you know, hopefully person as you go on in life. Because we all know that a very small percentage of people become actually professional athletes, but they're all going to grow up to be adults in our society, including the ones who become pro athletes. And so it'd be really nice if we prepare them to do that a little bit better as well. What has some of that feedback been like from those participating or, you know, those that are just sort of helping with, uh, you know, the overall process and the mission of the foundation? Um, has a lot of that feedback been positive? What sort of, you know, just reactions and emotions have you been getting? Yeah, we've gotten we've gotten a lot of positive feedback um, from coaches, from teachers who are even using it in classroom settings, from parents. Um, just feeling like these are the messages that, that kids need to hear and they're hearing them from people who they can look up to. So it's again, kind of giving those role models, um, and speaking to them in their language and the stuff that they care about, which in this case is, is sports. Um, they're really embedding these feelings. And so, and, and a lot of times it's stuff that like, maybe I can't say as a coach, like I can speak to a lot of things from my experience, but like, I can't talk about what it means to be black and Korean and be growing up in a single mother household, but like Heinz Ward can. And so he can speak to that. Um, and so, you know, putting these things in the context of the messages that kids need, but also the messengers who can reach them. Um, and so, yeah, I think we've had a lot, especially from the, the coaches who are using it, who are like, a, I haven't been trained in talking about this. B, like, I don't have the time to go and look up all of the resources I need. And I don't have a ton of time to spend on it. And so we're like, hey, can you spend 10 minutes? That's all we're asking. And it's all nicely done for you. So all you have to really do is like press play. Um, so I think we've we've gotten, you know, a lot of positive feedback on that front. Just like, and, and another positive feedback we get is like, it's free. So why not go use it? <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. It is there how how can someone learn more, um, support uh, or get involved in Path Sports? Yeah, so the first thing is to go to pathsports.org, um, where you can find our library. Um, you can also contact us on there. You know, subscribe to our list, and you'll get you get some emails, um, or you can email us directly um, if you want to set up kind of a, a more involved program. Um, but otherwise, I think the the best way to to kind of figure out what we're doing is to go and watch a couple of videos. And we've got a lot of really cool people um, with some great stories up there. So I recommend it. Even as adults, I recommend it. Awesome. Yeah, for everyone, not just kids. Yeah, really cool. Uh, so you were elected to the USA Volleyball Board of Directors in 2019. Can you talk a little bit about your role on the board and then, you know, any committees you may be involved in as well? Yeah, so I occupy one of the athlete seats. So each national team um, has an athlete rep. So I'm the international indoor women's rep um, on, on the board. So I think I, I essentially have two major roles. One is as just a general board member, kind of overseeing the entire organization. Um, and then the other is to represent my constituency, which is the indoor women, um, and make sure that you know their interests uh, are, are being addressed. Um, and then I also... I'm on the personnel committee. No, I'm not. I'm on the governance committee. I feel like I'm on eight committees. Um, <laughs> a bunch of stats sports. And then I uh, chair the DEI committee. What sort of, uh, so within, you know, your role on the board and all the committees, task force you may be involved in, uh, what sort of initiatives uh, have been brought up or, you know, are in action right now? There's always a lot going on. I mean, I think, I think people don't understand sometimes that USA Volleyball is a giant organization that serves right. 
uh, hundreds of thousands of members and 40 different regions and all that. Um, one of the big things right now uh, that's been legislated by Congress actually is just bringing, making sure the athlete voice is included in all conversations. And so that means that, you know, at least a third of the members of all of the committees and the board and everything have to be athletes. Um, and so we're kind of undergoing a, a somewhat of a restructuring on the committee level to make sure that that's, that's being followed because it's literally the law now. Um, so I think that's been a big push in the last uh, maybe six months or so. Um, but yeah, and then it's always just kind of how do we how do we look forward and see COVID was a whole another thing, um, you know, still is. But really in, in the in the middle of that, that was a huge, a huge issue. And USA Ball did a great job of kind of pushing through that and staff, I know, took uh, a brunt of the work of that. Um, but yeah, so I think those were those have been the big things the last couple of years. And then there's always just like, how do we improve, um, you know, the customer experience and make sure that we're giving them um, the highest quality experience possible. Have any of those conversations been necessarily uncomfortable or difficult to have, uh, you know, just in the space of DEI or, uh, you know, really advocating for, uh, you know, underrepresented and minority groups or uh, just the athlete voice in general? Um, you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows on these committees sometimes. And a lot of these conversations um, are real and have to happen, especially uh, you know, with what you're able to advocate for on the athlete side, you know, what if, you know, have those conversations been a little uncomfortable or how those been kind of working out on over the, over your course on uh, your, your eight committees? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think for the most part, people are like collaborative and collegial, but it's, it's difficult with complex issues. You know, like DEI is a, a perfect example when you're working across an entire country and all of these different regions and all of these different members to look at, okay, how do I, how do we address this? How are we addressing this on the national team level versus how are we addressing this in the youth membership and then the USA volleyball staff um, and kind of the operations within the organization. And so I think there's a lot, there's, there's people who want kind of what's the quick win and what's like the initiative that we can um, like one of the ones that's great. And I love it is the, uh, the grant that was given to the HBCUs to start, um, men's teams, which is fantastic. Now there are men's teams playing. That's kind of a very linear thing. You're like, okay, we give money, like this thing happens. Most stuff isn't like that. It's like, okay, how do we get, um, you know, more kids from marginalized groups into volleyball? And they're like, okay, well, let's go, like, go run a clinic in this area. It's like, okay, but what about like transportation? And then what about once these, once they actually come into that environment, do they feel welcomed and belong or are they being met with a ton of microaggressions and all this stuff? So we need training for our membership. And, and like, so it's just like a very complex issue and with a lot of different opinions on every side. And so I think, um, for the most part, we've been able to have those discussions in kind of respectful ways, but sometimes you get frustrated because you're like, I want this to move faster. And this person is getting frustrated because they don't want it. They want to move it in a different direction or they want to move slower or whatever. And so, it's about finding kind of, for me, I think it's always like, I have a vision in my head of what would the ideal be and how can I just kind of push us in that direction? Um, well, hopefully trying to address really like the systemic issues that are kind of creating barriers. Well, I think we've covered a lot here, uh, just across all different topics. Uh, thank you so much again, Cassidy, for joining us. We're 
little over a half hour mark with you, uh, but wanted to give you the opportunity to share anything, talk about anything that may have been left on the table. Yeah, I think we covered a lot. Um, I think that's it. I watch AU, watch Athletes Unlimited starting March 16th. Go visit passports.org. Um, I think in general, like we're all about growing the game of volleyball in a positive way. So, and bringing in those people um, who haven't been included in the past. And so in whatever ways we can grow the game um, to as many people as possible, like I'm, I'm always on board. Awesome. Where can, uh, where can people follow you to, you know, follow your season in AU or ask you any questions um, on social media or a blog or anything like that? Yeah, you can find me um, on most social at Cassie Lichtman or at Cassie Lichtman seven. Um, you can follow athletes unlimited AU pro sports and yeah, send me a message there. Follow, follow the season. Any questions? I'm always open to answer. Awesome. Yeah. Listeners, March 16th, mark that on your calendars, uh, for athletes unlimited season two. Uh, I know Clarence and I are really excited for it and everybody else at USA volleyball are really excited for it too. Awesome. Thank you, Cassidy. And, uh, we'll be following along and, um, yeah, hope you have a great rest of your day and uh, safe travels to Dallas. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wow. What an awesome conversation we had with Cassidy. Uh, and like you said, what a, there's not a better time to have just an amazing woman who's just had a great career in volleyball uh, and even after volleyball uh, with her nonprofit as well. And then continuing to play, too, in the Athletes Unlimited League uh, here in season two. But loved her, loved when she's talked about her introduction to volleyball. And we and we love those conversations. Everyone has a different path. Um, but this one, I think a lot of people can relate to whether it's their parents coaching volleyball or a sibling playing volleyball. Um, that, that that's, that's, I would say that's like a majority of how people get introduced to volleyball. I remember when I was coaching, I had uh, a lot of the siblings of my athletes mm-hmm. there in the gym running around. Uh, and then a few of them later on, I coached, uh, when they got a little bit older and started playing volleyball too. So that was really cool to hear her talk about that. And she was just, she was just a gem rat from the beginning. You know, actually too, uh, one of the more unique stories of her, of her path to the national team is her always playing different positions, which really helped her mm, solidify, yeah. you know, just kind of whatever, whatever spot or position was needed on, on, you know, the national team, uh, just being able to be that all around, uh, somewhat of a utility player of just, you need a setter, you need an outside hitter, you need a right side, you need somebody to play back row and just that she's able to find what she was able to, uh, it's still able to fine tune and, you know, just kind of develop that craft of just being a great all around player at such a high level. And, you know, talked about at Stanford, she started as a defensive specialist and in her second year, she was a hitter when <clears throat> going into her third year there, uh, she was hitting and setting at that, which was some very, very difficult things to do all around. And uh, from a year to year basis, uh, having all that full range of skill definitely helped her earn a spot on the national team of commission for because of the value she brought to fill any position when, whenever needed. Also, uh, when it came time to name the Olympic team, she was left off the roster, but because of her experience and an all around skill set, she was named uh, as a setter on the 2012 Pan American team and won a gold medal, which is just incredible. 
Yeah, that was cool that unfortunately left off the Olympic roster, but her career didn't end there because of that versatile skill set that she has. And she ended up winning an international gold medal uh, on the 2012 Pan American team. Yeah, this is, she said it's it's probably becoming more rare nowadays, uh, but I, th- I still think it's very important uh, for, you know, any young athletes out there playing volleyball to have that all around skill set, especially if you're not, you know, one of the top blockers or top hitters, um, top defensive players, if you can find that niche and, and have those different skill sets, you'll have, you'll find places to play. And she mentioned that's incredibly important when you move over to the international game too, playing professional club internationally, um, that the style of play, it's just very important over there to be able to play multiple positions and have those skill sets. So yeah, really cool to hear her talk about that. And then, you know, speaking of international, her experience playing overseas, she mentioned it's, it's not like a a vacation. It's not a European vacation. (laughs) It's, it's very difficult. There's a lot of learning, learning new cultures, languages, new cities, like maneuvering around cities. Um, trying to communicate with people, including her own teammates as well. All very difficult things and can be very daunting for someone coming into that. But on the flip side, uh, she had a very positive experience. Uh, She mentioned it was an incredible opportunity and privilege to get paid to play volleyball, the sport that she loves and so passionate about. Uh, And just to experience other cultures, see different styles of play that came that came up in conversation again, uh, like we talked about with TJ and Madison uh, in Mm -hmm. a previous episode. There's the style of play from different countries and different clubs. Uh, And and then just to explore the world outside of her own comfort zone. Um, I think that's just an awesome opportunity if you're able to do that. Definitely uh, take that chance and go do it. The I liked when she talked about tips for for anyone looking to do that is to reach out to someone who's played internationally or who uh, or who is currently playing internationally and ask them questions like what what do they need to be talking to their agents about what do they need to talk ask questions to their to their clubs about um, just to it's something that we just don't know about a lot about in, in the United States and the U S it's just uh, kind of an unknown, um, which will actually uh, come into our conversation with Jordan Thompson uh, in a future episode uh, that'll come up again. But yeah, really cool to talk to Cassidy and hear about her experience uh, uh, with the national team and then playing professionally as well. Absolutely. Just want to say thank you again to Cassidy. Uh, remember, you can follow Cassidy on social media at Cassidy Lickman 7 on Instagram and Cassidy Lickman on Twitter. Again, good luck to her and all the athletes competing in uh, Athletes Unlimited uh, Volleyball Season number 2, beginning on March 16th. It's coming up quick. I mean, we were just talking about this a while ago. Uh, last year going into the, the, you know, 2021 year recap and just everything here. But yeah, March 16th, be sure to watch and show your support for Athletes Unlimited and Professional Women's Volleyball uh, right here in the U.S. Check out the full schedule and more information on AUProSports.com or on their social media at AUProSports and AUProVolleyball. 
All right, let's talk about some upcoming events. Uh, registration is still live for the 2022 Girls 18s Junior Nationals, the Girls Junior Nationals, the Boys Junior Nationals, and Open Nationals. Head over to usavolleyball.org to register today. The USA Volleyball Beach Tour continues. We have a few events coming up this month uh, and still time to register. North, the Starting with the North Texas Mad San March BRQ1 in Plano, Texas, March 12th. The Beach Tour or Beach Pro Tour Challenge in Tlaxcala, Mexico, March 16th through the 20th. The North Texas Mad San March BRQ 2 in Plano, Texas on March 19th. The Lone Star ASC Sand March BRQ 2 in Cedar Park, Texas, March 20th. Good luck to everyone competing in those events. You can learn more about the USA Volleyball Beach Tour and other upcoming events at usavolleyball.org. And it's indoor qualifier season, bid tournament season. The upcoming tournaments include the Mideast Girls Qualifier Week 1 in St. Louis on March 11th through the 13th. The Northeast Girls 18s Qualifier in Philadelphia, March 11th through the 13th. The Northeast Girls Qualifier Week 1, also in Philadelphia, March 11th through the 13th. The second weekend of the 2022 Salt Lake City Showdown Girls and Girls 18s Qualifier, March 11th through the 13th in Salt Lake City, Utah. The Northern Lights Girls Qualifier, first weekend in Minneapolis, Minnesota, March 18th through the 20th and the Southern California Girls 18s Qualifier in Orange County, California, March 18th through the 20th. Good luck. That's a lot of events. <laughs> I know. Good luck to everyone competing in those events. And you can check out more information, <laughs> more upcoming events at usavolleyball.org. Also, fun fact, right after Salt Lake City, I will be at the Southern California Girls 18s Qualifier with my club. So a lot there of traveling. Go. I can't wait to be back in California. So I'm going to be, we're going to have to be, uh, uh, where in the world is Clarence Hughes? <laughs> oh my God, please don't do that. But um, <laughs> reminder listeners, you guys can rate reviews, share with your friends, family, teammates. You already know it helps this podcast grow, reach more listeners and just come up with new topics of just conversation that you guys want to hear about. We're seeing a support come in uh, every single episode, every single time we put this together and we appreciate it. And thank you guys all for being friends of the pod. And yes, you guys can chat with us. You can email us at the USAV show at usav.org. Leave us feedback. Let us know how we're doing. What future topics do you want to hear? Like I said before, all the above, you can reach out to us. And a big shout out to Sarah Young, who actually emailed us not too long ago with just a Big thank you. And uh, just really showed her appreciation for the podcast. Uh, Sarah Young, you know who you are. Uh, she actually works with the USA Volleyball, but she's a huge, huge fan. And I think I'm gonna make it a point right now to put on the podcast that Sarah, you are going to be a future guest on the podcast uh, sooner or later. You can't get out of it now because, yes, <laughs> it is it is live and in public. So the world is expecting you to come on as a guest. And I know that it really just scared the heck out of her. But yeah, <laughs> can't wait excited. to have her I'm Can't excited. wait to have Sarah as, uh, as a guest on the episode one day. Yeah. Thank also, you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> also a reminder that we released three episodes in February uh, to celebrate Black History Month. If you haven't already listened to, go back, listen to the other uh, the other episodes that definitely hit uh, the download button and check those out. We'll be back on our every other Wednesday schedule starting 
with our next episode, actually today, going into two weeks from now. So again, till next time, thank you all for listening to the USA Volleyball Show. Remember, we are the official podcast of USA Volleyball. This has been the USA Volleyball Show with Clarence Hughes and Stephen Munson. Produced by Curtis Ward. Our content producers are Kyle Scholzen and Lara Fawcett. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate and review. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the USA Volleyball Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.